Hi, everyone. Welcome to the TimingResearch.com Crowd Forecast News for October 2nd, uh, 2023. We are recording this at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, and this is episode number 403. My name is David Cosmeter. I'm the creator of TimingResearch.com. And uh, today I have arranged for Michael Filigera to join us again. You should be seeing his screen right now. And the option professor is back to moderate. So I'm going to turn it over to him. Okay, thank you, David, and uh, welcome, everybody. We have a very active morning here as uh, the uh, stopgap uh, thing that they passed over the weekend has not been uh, uh, voted in with, uh, with open arms by the public so far. Then the financials are under quite a bit of heat here because the interest rates are spiking, and so are the small caps. Seems like everybody's running into the, uh, big, uh, the big names of Meta and Microsoft and uh, Netflix and uh, NVIDIA and all the ones they want to hide out in so far. But uh, with us today is uh, Michael Filigera. He's going to give us a lot of information and we're going to uh, get into these things because you're getting big moves in stocks, you're getting big moves in oil, you got big move in gold, you got big move in the dollar. That's pretty much the whole thing and the interest rates. So a lot of things going on. Michael, before we get started, a little background on yourself and, uh, and about what you're doing at your company. Sure. Uh, good morning. Good afternoon, uh, everybody. My name is Michael Filigera. I am the proprietor, owner, trader, everything uh, within TradersHelpingTraders.com and LogicalSignals.com. Um, I have been, uh, I started as an options market maker in 1979 here on the Pacific Coast Options Exchange in San Francisco. I've traded here uh, in London on the London Traded Options, uh, European Options Exchange in Amsterdam and on the DTB in Germany, uh, which is where I got my introduction into electronic trading. Uh, I returned back to the US in 1997, came back to San Francisco and chose to stop trading options when everything did go electronic. And about 2013, I decided that I really was just fed up with volatility at the moment and uh, went over and started day trading in the futures markets, which I've been doing since and um, started doing shows with David in 2014, I think it was. So yeah, that's kind of yeah. my history. All right. Well, the thing here is, is uh, there's a couple of things that I know that you are a specialist in. And uh, one is obviously the wave structure. So we're going to get into that. And also maybe some Fibonacci numbers that might come in interesting. So I definitely want to hit uh, those two things in the major markets because, you know, I mean, you know, if the S&P is going to go uh, down, you know, the NASDAQ and the uh, and the Russell is going to go down, too. They're not going to go in totally different directions. You know what I mean? So um, the bottom line is, is, you know, let's find out here. Let's start out with the stock market. Again, uh, we had a good report uh, from the standpoint they made some kind of agreement. It's a hobo agreement that uh, expires in, you know, six weeks. But uh, it is an agreement. So people obviously anticipated the market to go up. In fact, last night, I noticed it was up about 30 handles. So this, this movement today is basically um, you know, showing some significant disappointment. So what are we seeing here on the charts uh, as far as you're concerned? And maybe you could uh, count some waves out and give us some idea of where you think we might be going. Just to start at basically the same point you did, the... The thought process, I believe, yesterday was, as you just said, that, oh, the government the, the government did not get shut down, therefore money continues to flow. Um, and then that somehow spelled, oh, we're back to being bullish, which was the mistake. And we're now seeing that it actually was the mistake. Um, and the reason behind it is like, nothing's changed. It's just that 
we're going to continue to keep all of our departments open. But as far as like what was driving the market lower to begin with, did not change simply because we didn't shut down the government. What it what it tended to really what came across was like had the government shut down, it would have forced uh, Moody's and S and P and Fitch and some of the other rating services to downgrade the United States one more time. And, and obviously, so, a six and a, a six week holiday is not going to change that. So that's why the bonds absolutely. are tanking. The bonds are tanking. Also, we've got record deficits that would, uh, you know, shock anyone. And that means the supply of debt time, coming Mike, is just going to be off the charts. So you got the supply of debt coming in, and yeah. you've got uh, some people who look like they are inept uh, running the show down there. So you know, it's yeah. uh, it's a very bad situation for the bond market right now. It is, and um. I'll, We'll go to that one in just a second, but to to really update the S&P, again, nothing's really changed. Even on my Elliott Wave count, um, I had an an alternate to if they really wanted to push higher today and can, and keep that push in motion, it really would have been nothing more than just a bounce off of this low here and just bringing it up and that four would have moved up a little bit. Because it had additional room where it could have gone up like 43. Well, it's oversold, yeah. But the thing is, is that you you notice uh, from uh, March until uh, July, that is a uptrend. And now we are not in an uptrend. So any rallies you have to be suspicious of because you right. won't find too many times where all those lines are pointing down and the market's going to magically go to 4,600. Right. Now, again, and now speaking of the lines, I think that that's a good ad right here. Um, as we were declining last week and we came into that low on Thursday, I think what was significant on that way down is the breaking of all, at least on the daily chart, the breaking of the moving averages starting all the way up here with yeah. the 50s. And then this is the 100. Yeah. And then it just really slid quickly. But when it got to the 200, it took a little break. It took a breath, went up came down, broke, but then it was already set up to recover. It did, but now look what we're doing. Yeah, We've come and down and we've broken back below and, them. Yeah, and that's dangerous when you break uh, the purple line and then you get back above it. When you get back above it, that should uh, that should be the end of the story about getting back underneath it. In other, in other words, once you penetrate it and get all those stops out or whatever they do when they penetrate yeah. these lines, yeah. After you get back above it, that should be the end of the story. The fact that we're revisiting it again is obviously very concerning, right? It's revisiting it. We're breaking it again. There you go. So I think that the the ganging up in terms of selling on that first break was not as strong as I anticipated. We got the bounce, but now we're coming back down. And I'm suspecting that it's going to, it, we're going to, they'll come in now and they start. Now, on an Elliott Wave basis, fib, Michael, is that a fib number uh, forty-one eighty-eight? Yes. So that would be, and that's a sixty-one point eight. So that's a that's a strong one. That would be one point. Possible. It's a one point six one eight, which is even stronger. Yeah, which means that could be a target. And I believe that is going to be the target. But what's it? It's the target for just this completion of this wave down, right? Which completes a minor third, and the minor third actually projects down to forty-one thirty-seven. So it and then, could and be then if, if it's a five way down, let me just ask questions that people might have. If it's a five way down after we hit forty one thirty seven, does it give you, uh, you know, like a, a, a couple of waves up and then go back down? Yes. 
So what it become uh, here at 4137, what it would be completing is the minor third wave. Right. Then we get a minor fourth wave. So the and so just walking the picture up to to our upper levels here right. is that overall starting at that top, what the market is doing, and I need to just go out one more to the weekly chart. You can see there's our all-time high, and this was in January of 2022. Mm -hmm. And so we completed all the way up to super cycle third wave. Now that super cycle third wave started in 1932. So it covers 90 years, 90 years of a bull market, which contained folks, this is important. It contained a depression, a world war, the Korean war, the Vietnam war, and multiple, multiple recessions. And, and the great financial collapse of 2009, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all were within this super cycle wave three this very long-term bull market. And that's what we're correcting. More importantly, what we're also correcting is just the massive excess that got put into our money system, the monetary system, by the Federal Reserve and the Treasury, first to bail out corporations in 2009. Now, we were on a very nice upslope and everything was just hunky-dory until we got a pandemic. Next round, they had to bail out us, retail, us, the common people. If they wanted to keep their, their economy going, well, we needed to have the money to do it. And 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 much of us, many of us were without jobs because we had to stay home, et cetera, et cetera. So here we go again. And we start injecting trillions more. And as you started, Jim, what the important thing that I think people need to understand is that how do we want to deal with $33 trillion worth of debt in a not necessarily collapsing economy, because I don't think that it's necessarily collapsing right now, but we're needing to correct. We're needing to relieve the excess. You know, and the fact the is we are, we are uh, contracting and they've uh, raised rates of 500 basis points and uh, auto sales were actually up again. So the bottom line is, is that they're not getting a lot of action out of their tightening so far. And I, you know, when I got back from my holiday in Europe and I went to fill up the gas tank and I saw a 550 on the gas uh, number. I mean, this, this is not going into any kind of contraction right now. So that's why these bonds obviously were, are going to go wherever they have to go. But the point being is, is that, uh, you know, they uh, want this thing to slow down and they want everybody yeah. to stop spending and, you know, not stop. But, you know, I mean, they want to moderate all this stuff. And the moderation is they very hard to balance see. their own sheets, so to speak. Yeah. And, and, and you're right. The only way they're going to do that is to get money out of people's hands so that they're more into stop spending. And no, they have stop. to ma uh, stop making them feel so rich. So like uh, the uh, the real estate, uh, we're seeing, I think, a 13% drop in sales. I notice in some areas there are some price cuts. So maybe we are going to get an acceleration to the downside phase in some of the real estate when people start seeing the prices um, trade, when and if they see the prices trade underneath what they bought it for. But that's not happened yet. But again, you know, uh, interest rates, interest rates are gravity and they, you know, they can bring asset prices down over time. So that's why, uh, you know, that's going to be interesting. I always prefer to say that interest rates sit at the top of the pecking order. Whatever happens to interest rates will, will roll down, as they say, because you have interest rates, then you have the currency, then you, or interest rate, the bonds, the currency, corporate, which is, of course, all of our stocks and their corporations. And then below that is retail. That's us. So it takes a while to roll down to us. And that's where it's now really starting to be felt because 
uh, mortgages are skyrocketing. A car, you know, to, to purchase a car, those rates are now going up through the roof. We're starting to see that if you've if you've loaded up on credit card de debt just because you had to, I'm sorry, but you're going to get pinched really hard. Well, Macy's uh, of, just had to write off all kinds of debt, so that's already a problem, and it's going to and it and it may continue. And then, of course, these student loans uh, are going to have to start being paid back now, starting this month. So there's a lot right. of stuff hitting the fan. But let's talk about the the wave here. If we did go down towards the 4188, 4137. What kind of a wave would be a counter wave? Would there be five waves wave. up? It would would be it be a... five waves up or just? No, no, no. It'll be it'll be a fourth wave bounce. And let me show. This was, but this was an irregular. So this was a fourth wave bounce. Um, well, let me just take it out a little bit. So and I is the fifth wave the acceleration phase? Is that the one? Um, no, actually, we just were finishing out of this particular segment. We're finishing that acceleration phase. Okay. Acceleration is going to come within the third wave. And, oh, we got, and this, that was it. That was it right now for this particular degree. Right. So when we, when we're done, see, again, going back to the degrees of operation, we are in a, in an intermediate first wave down inside of that are going to be five waves of minor degree. Here's one, two, we're getting ready this down here. If we get down here, that'll complete minor three. Then we get a minor fourth wave bounce, which will likely bring us back. If we, if we bottom out in here, it will likely going to bring us back to 4375 ish. Yeah. And right? then because on the it, fifth wave, on the fifth wave, if you took out the fifth wave down, what would happen? If you're looking at that fifth wave down, now I'm coming into my next level. There you go. And those are down in here for the fifth wave. And then that completes intermediate wave one. And then guess what? We get an intermediate second wave. And again, we'll be looking to see it come back up to wherever this minor fourth wave tops out. Right. So, you know, it's still going to be push, pull, push, pull. And but as that degree then continues to go up, so in other words, we we finish intermediate wave one, intermediate wave two, which is still out there to come. Then we will go into an intermediate third wave. Now again, this is the minor third wave, and if we're going to think that the minor third wave went from forty six hundred and let's just say forty one forty one hundred, just to round it off, right? Any of you that live out here on the West Coast understand the the Richter scale. So if you have an earthquake that's 4.0 on the Richter scale and the next one's 5.0, they're going to tell you it's 100 times as hard. Well, consider it the same. If I take this up a whole degree from minor degree to intermediate degree, it's going to be much bigger. So this drop is going to be much, much more severe. But and now we got to deal with the timing of the whole thing. So I think, you know, we right now we're going, we're rolling into October. I think we kind of come into our low for minor wave three and minor wave four will start to push us into earnings. So you see the nature of that minor four will be an A, a B, and a C. That gives a lot of room for yeah, oh, I'm going to bring something in here. The general thesis now is that we are going to maybe have a rough week or so here in the beginning of October, and then when uh, earnings start with J.P. Morgan on October 13th, the earnings yeah. are going to be uh, beating, and fourth quarter earnings are going to beat it, and so we are going to have substantial rising in the market as we go into the end of the year because they say statistically. If we are up 
um, over double digits in the first half of the year or the first three quarters of the year, the fourth quarter is a strong quarter. So there's a lot of seasonal thing that's being thrown around and the earnings going to be very positive is being thrown around. And so there is a very large belief that the market is going to have a fantastic end of the year. Now, and I agree. Uh, I mean, can I ask you a question? Like I say, that is obviously all could happen. So could, you have to have right. all you have to right. have alternatives if markets start doing different prices. You know, like obviously we start taking out 44, 44, 50, and something like that. You have to change your tune. But the point being is, is maybe that end of the year positivity may be coming from the 4137 level. Yeah, but I don't think, yeah, it could, but what you're presenting everything and it's all valid because that's what's being stated that's what's out there and being talked about right now but it's what i would call the status quo you know if this happens then that should happen the if then statements come in and i think what doesn't get played out is i am also hearing analysts and others talk about you know the interest rates they're going to start to chip away at earnings they're going to start to chip away at these large corporations and the belief right now today is like, oh, no, it won't. So we're going to go shift all our money back over there uh, in hopes that even if it does go down, they'll still do better than the market. And so that, with that concept in mind, I think it just, it just prevents, it just presents a narrative that is not healthy because the reality is interest rates, folks, are not stopping. And I don't think they stop until the end of the year we still do have at least one more rate hike before the end of the year. We still have to deal with a government that agreed to pass a budget, which now they're taking it back. We're up in the arms. What happens if that doesn't happen? What, what do we do with 45 days just before the holiday season starts when if the same group that just will not cooperate or, or go back on their word stands firm and says, okay, shut it down. So again, we do have that side of the story to deal with as well. But I think in just terms of what Elliott Wave is telling, you know, Elliott Wave is if we're finishing this third wave and we get the fourth and we start to come back down, that's going to tell me a whole lot. If we finish this third wave and it starts going up and it doesn't stop, that again tells me a whole lot, just like you're saying. But right well, if now, everything, if everything were to break, if everything were to break their way, which would be the bull's way, which would be uh, the yields start backing off because this is kind of a blow off top in yields. If the oil prices, which reverse today, reverse some more. Uh, if the government gets an agreement that they can live with, and you know, if the dollar backs off of this breakout above 106. You know, then there's a lot of thing. And of course, the earnings come in and totally blow out and give good guidance. These are all things that obviously would change the landscape quite a bit. Ooh, and that's why that's whatever trading you do, you always have to have respect for the other guy's opinion or else you're going to lose a lot of money. I agree with that as well. I think that, you know, you always if you're going to play it from the short side, you must have a outlier hedge on that's going to protect you should they come in to say, oh, no, you were wrong and we're right and here we go off to the races. Or you have to be very nimble and be able to switch it and flip around. I do agree with that. 
But and I just the, think by the way, one last thing for account. option people out there, the VIX is up against this 17 to 20 area. If we start yeah. seeing a 21, 22, 23 VIX, then we're going to have uh, some problem because that would be breaking out on the VIX. And if the VIX ever goes to 30, you know, there's a big mess out there. So I would be watching the VIX very closely and see if this 20 area holds. And if it does, then you're, you might very well be looking at a, an opportunity that's uh, reasonable down here. Uh, for a rebound rally as you go into the end of the year. But if we were to break above uh, 20 and start moving towards 25 and, and God forbid, if you're bullish 30, uh, then, you know, an acceleration to the downside with some event has probably occurred, you know. Do you, do you follow the, the NASDAQ VIX? No. VXN? No. I follow the VIX off the S&P, yeah. The, the, the NASDAQ volatility index is at 22. I got you. So I mean, I mean, all relative. I agree. The the Nasdaq, the volatility of the Nasdaq is greater than the volatility. Yeah, in the you S&P. probably have a higher bar to make that one look like it's better. exactly. I was that's what I was going to say. Yeah, um, because it's like people going, oh well, if that volatility index is a twenty two, okay, well that's four points higher than than the the VIX. I was you like, can see yeah, you can but... see that the uh, you can see that the people feel like uh, hiding out in tech is the where to go because uh, the green on your screen on the left is your Meta, your All Microsoft, tech. your Nvidia, your Netflix, your uh, uh, Amazon, AMD. Google. All of it. Yeah, they're yeah. going. They're going to go, and if if we're going to go down on the ship, uh, they're going to go down on the ship that uh, you know seems to have uh, the best balance sheets and the best. Uh, right, right, know. exactly correct, and that and that I think is the is a play that many asset managers will do. Yeah, that you know they they have to put the money to work. Exactly, they have and to do these things. Can, and now, can, looking what, at your screen there on the left, can't you just see them running into uh, the liquid? um big names yes. with the with the best balance sheets yes i saw it this morning yeah I, absolutely yeah without a doubt and uh, they don't I want any part take... of small they don't want any part of small capture financials so they're obviously very concerned about uh right uh, the interest rate spike and uh and the uh uh but and the fact think... that small caps would get uh damaged uh with a slower economy. Right. And I think what what becomes important, and this might be something that you could comment on as well, is that the over-evaluation within the NASDAQ, just on, on just, you know, I, I don't know what the PE ratio is in the NASDAQ these days, but, but stocks, in my view, stocks are incredibly overvalued, which puts the pressure back on the company itself to continue to blow out earnings quarter after quarter after quarter, right. which which means that for a company like Apple, every single product has to be purchased over and over and over again, and there can be no slip-ups in between. And Except so I think the fact that, that, that uh, we're still well underneath that 200 high point, that's for sure. Yes. But the fact is that they ran in and they ran this stock down to 168 last week and then ran it back up to 174. And they... And again, this is going into your backyard, Jim, that what I find so often, particularly in the Magnificent Seven, which are from, you know, all those NASDAQ stocks. Which is where the money's going. That we have such an influx into the options trading. And because there, it is the premium game. And that's volatility, folks. Volatility and options translates into premium. And, as an, and if you are a dealer... 
which means you're making that market. You, you live to sell premium. That's how you make your money. And so as long as that game is in play, they're not buying or selling Apple based on what their opinion of Apple is or Apple's future. They're buying and selling Apple based on what the premium is being paid for inside the options. And as, when, as long as, and that game ain't going anywhere. I mean, we can just take a look at, and I can pull it up and don't need to do that. So the amount of open interest and the amount of daily trading, and now add into that, add into that in our indexes, we have zero DTE options, which are zero days to expiration. Those are the most popular popular options. Again, it's very simple why they're popular because I've been participating in these short-term options quite a bit. Great. You get, go ahead. Yes, please. Hey, listen, you get leverage and you get limited risk. And and, and basically like I've been very focused on, you want to throw Exxon up so I can show an example of why people would uh, be doing this? Because again, first of all- Do you want me to do Exxon options or just Exxon stuff? No, just do XOM. I just want to explain why, you know, people might find this interesting because I've definitely- It's Exxon Mobil these days. Yeah. Um, Okay. Like in the last week, uh, can you get something shorter term? Like uh, uh, say one month? One. There you go. One month, maybe? That would be a four out of the four hour chart. Yeah. This is January. All right. Well, January- No, that's- uh, I'm talking about a one month, meaning just a 30 day chart. Um, I don't know if they give me this. You got five day, 10 day, 20 day. How about 20 day? There you go. There you go. All right. You know, uh, we've had a couple of times here in the last couple of weeks where the thing, yeah, this gives you an example where you've seen the market come up to a neighborhood, like it was at 118 and change. And then you see the RSI is definitely lagging. And so if you just look at short-term options, when it's up in that 118 at the 117 mark, these options are underneath a buck and 117 minus 114 there is like about 250. So the percentage move can be tremendous on these short-term options and the risk being uh, fixed and relatively low price makes them a, a tremendous gamble. Up here, we just saw it last week again. You have a double top up here and look at that RSI lagging. So you take your shot at the 118s and look what you're doing tomorrow, uh, today. You know what I mean? So short, 14. Yeah. Yeah. So these options are now $3 in the money and they might've cost like under a buck. So there's people doing this because if you can find turning points, the options are not going to cost you that much money if you're wrong. And if you're right, you're going to get tremendous premium expansion. And again, your risk is limited when you do the day trading with stop losses on, on things, you know, the thing could gap on you and your risk could be way beyond what you thought. So I find that this, I find that for people who, um, you know, uh, have a speculative capital uh, that want to just take relatively small cash risks, but have leverage and potential large gains, uh, that's why these things are popular. Because um, again, the the um, the math works out pretty darn well as long as you, obviously as long as you can find uh, some winners, and that's why when I'm looking at this stuff, I use a combination of moving averages and the RSI, and I've been very very happy with how they've worked. So, everything that you're saying, and thank you very much for including that today. Yeah. But because the next thing that I want to make reference to, we are now talking about a bullish or a bearish market and et cetera, et cetera. And what, how is the bull market going to keep going? How bear market is going to keep going? And what Jim just presented has 
nothing to do with being bullish or bearish. Nothing. Oh, no, no, you couldn't care. So and that's you, my point. Yeah, yeah. That's my point. When we're watching these things trade, these are not making bullish or bearish statements. So how can we relate that to how do I want to, to really formulate something in, in the S&P or in the NASDAQ and declare that the next quarter is going to be bullish? Or yeah, these I mean, earnings are going to be uh, bullish. These are, like, these are reversion make any trades, right, Michael? They're reversion trades. You see up at 120. Oh, the oh yeah, the, I agree. Yeah, so I this agree. is the third. This is the third leg on my bar stool. Be, uh, you know, besides RSI yeah, and moving exactly averages, like the, the other one is a uh, reversion to the mean. And you can see it Absolute, happens. Yeah. It, it happens uh, quite often. Uh, in uh, on the Wednesday the, and uh, around the you know the week before, it got yeah. right away. Come back. Uh, so absolutely know, correct. Yeah, and then That's on top of that, that like, in volatility, you're not, saying, you're not saying you're bearish on oil, you're bearish on Exxon. What you're saying right. is, is that there's been a little bit of a uh, overdoing it on one side or the other, and right. that and that volume will dry up, and the RSI is kind of telling you the volume's drying up, and you're just playing for some of these people to either take profits or some people to start shorting a little bit as a speculative thing and bringing it back in line. That's all you're saying. And yeah, I agree. I agree with you. But my point back is, is that what really trading becomes is not trying to figure out direction as much as what you're talking about. Okay, reversion back to the mean, or what I might talk about in the volatility, because when they're playing volatility, there's the dispersion trade. Yeah. And that, you know, that's a whole super big money making trade that's being put on. And again, has nothing to do whether the market's going to be bullish or bearish. The outcome of the trade is going to be affected by market movement. So again, what what I kind of my point here is, and Jim, you your illustration was perfect, is that you if, as a trader, you go and you trade because your objective is to put on trades that earn you money. Right. And not necessarily going, well, I, I'm going to do it the old-fashioned way. I'm going to buy Apple because I believe in the company and they always have good earnings. I'm going to buy it and hold. Why? Why give up all this opportunity? So it's like if people, if you're really, really interested in trading, you're going to want to get a hold of somebody that's going to be able to teach you some of the intricacies of how to move in and out of the market using options in the underlying, et cetera, et cetera, and trade. That's kind of my point. But And your, and your examples illustrate that point to a T. Yeah. And that's why I'm, I'm really basically illustrating why the popularity of short-term options are there. Yes. Because again, yes. it's, uh, you know, I also think it might be uh, the return of the penny stock crowd. In other words, you know, why would you just do penny stocks that may or may not ever work when you can basically in some cases buy uh, options on major companies for peanuts for uh, um, a week or a few days. And if you get some kind of a correction, uh, the, that, uh, you know, underneath a dollar trade or underneath $2 of risk can expand dramatically because you're controlling 100 shares of the stock on every one of them. You're leveraging 100 shares of the stock on every one of them. Hey, uh, I don't want time to get away from us here because there is a lot of different markets. Uh, we looked at the stock market, so we get the idea it's under pressure and we get the idea that obviously it has maybe a little bit more to go on the downside, but it also is susceptible to have a rally because we are in an oversold condition. So it's kind of a little bit of a tough area to make big decisions a because, rally, but yes a yeah. rally nonetheless some people yeah. might say it's too low to sell now and some people say it's too low to uh, too uh, weak to buy so it makes for a tough racket you know obviously if you were going to do a lot of business in stocks coming off of 4500 4450 was the better place to do it if you wanted to you know sell it 
And then for buying it, you know, you know, it, it may hold this forty-two fifty. You, you get your opportunity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. talk about uh, oil. Uh, let's put up crude and find out. Did oil peak here at ninety-one? Because the whole oh, world thinks it's going now. to hundred now. Interesting that you pull this in. Let me go out to. I think at least on my because the, uh, listen, they're piling into oil stocks, uh, and you know the oil stocks really have not moved like the uh, crude has, which is either telling me one or two things: either the crude rally is a fugazi and it's going to start fading. Uh, some guy from Citibank or something like that, uh, Ed Morse, was uh, saying that he believes we're going to see a seventy print next year. So that's certainly different than one hundred and thirty dollars. And then oh, it is absolutely well. Here's my chart. Here's my chart. These are the fibs. Again, no Elliott. These are just pure fibs and charts. So this is on crude have, oil or what is this on? This is crude. Because uh, we're not at 115 uh, when we were at 115. We're not. We're not at 115. We're oh, trading. this is going back years. I got you. Yeah. I'm going, this is the high, you know, that 130 high that you just yeah. spoke of. But what I'm bringing into focus is October, right? We're in October. Yeah. Here's last October. And this is just charting and looking at what the market did and where we are now and what could happen next. So crude last October topped out between 91 and 93. In fact, it topped out at 90, 93, 98 up there at that high. And then the next six, seven months, actually longer, nine months straight down to 65, 64. Then what do we do? We start to rally and now we come right back in. And where did it peak? Right. See, I just wish I could make that. Let me see if I can pull this up a little bit. Look at that. Spiked up last week. All right. Here's what I'm going to, uh, if I was a viewer, here's what I'd be asking you. First of all, uh, last year we were in a primary downtrend. So obviously re-engaging into a downtrend would be easier than what we're doing now. Could we look at a one-year graph to see if there's any RSI divergence that might be telling us that this is a high point? Because obviously this has been in an uptrend, which is a different environment than a year ago. So let's take a look at the one year and see if there's anything. Yeah, there you go. You see the high point there. You had the RSI. You made a new high to 93 and change. Where's RSI? It's lagging. What happened since? We're reverting to the mean. It's exactly what I try to talk to people about when and if I can get them on the phone. Uh, and uh, this is the kind of stuff that's very helpful. Because if you're looking at the kind of stuff that I use, you would have been selling it all day long at 93, 98 because of that uh, divergence there. And then right. basically, uh, and also you could use short-term options here uh, because yes. every everybody is buying calls and the short-term options might be quite cheap like they were on Exxon. And that's how yes. you can that's how you can take advantage of it. You know, the, uh, the big short movie had a couple of guys in it and they and and this is how they were talking about how they made their money is that when everyone thought that something couldn't happen, obviously the options are going to be very cheap on the other side. And if you can find out a reason why that could happen, like the divergence there, you can pick up options at a very cheap price and catch a nice ride. And this is also right. a reversion to the mean as well, right? Yeah, yes. But again, again, I'm not putting up Elliott. I'm not putting, I mean, the fibs are there just to kind of show how high I thought the market might be able to get. Yeah. You know, no, and, well, that's a logical place where you know you know you're not only looking for just one uh, one thing. You know, if you can find five reasons why something would work, that's not bad either. And so right. the the reason that you showed that that neighborhood could be a problem, that's a great thing. And then if you have a confirmation like the RSI running out of steam, well, that's volume running out of steam. 
And when it runs out of steam and it's this far away from the averages, reversion probabilities, in my opinion, go through the roof. Right. And what it's now done is come down. And this is all initial. This is your initial drops. Yeah. And it's sitting at the daily 20. That's that dark blue. The daily yeah. 20 moving average. What's next? We got what's sitting right under this channel line, the bottom channel line, the 50. The 50 is still pointing straight up, basically. Yeah. Which right? means, so like I say, one. which means I wouldn't be counting on the 70s or the 60s anymore, but certainly counting on going back towards 89 worked out. And possibly if things unwind further, going towards the 84, 83, 85 number, right? Got support. I have the 200s and I got a channel line right there at 8320. So yeah, that's that would be good. But if it breaks, who knows what the future is going to hold? No, who knows yeah. what OPEC may or may not do? So we don't. But there's a continuation factor in here as well. If it is going to repeat the process of what it did, and what you're catching it is at the top or the start of the downtrend versus a continuation of the downtrend as it did in October of 2022. So this would be the start of the downtrend, which eventually may end up down here. I don't know. But, you know, you certainly, there is trading opportunities in crude oil right now. Yeah, there's evidence of a reversion to the mean right now. The other stuff is not yes. evidence of that right now at all. And and I think that's, a, that's about as far as we should go. All right. So that, I think we covered that because TikTok, TikTok, uh, let's talk gold. And I've been very, very adamant to people to stay away from gold like the plague unless we can start closing above 1975. And it has not been able to get above 1975. And now, in my view, it's in Crunchville, which is between 1800 and 1850. And so and you know, what is that? For good reason, Jim, and you know as well as I do that, that the gold traders are glued to the price of the dollar, to where the dollar is. Yeah. They're glued. And, as, and the dollar is threatening 107. Yeah. Well, sorry, sorry, gold. It's straight, and you can see what is happening. It broke 105. No, and the interest rates and down. the interest rates are trying to do something that it generally is successful at. And the interest rates are very successful at bringing asset prices down if they are high enough and right. if they're up there long enough. And uh, so basically, you know, that's how they broke the gold fever back in 80 is they obviously did things with the interest rates. And rather than gold being at 850 on its way to 1600 back then, it had the nice big correction. And then on the silver, rather than going from 50 to 90, it went back to like 10 or 12. Of course, making the Hunt brothers sell everything they own helped as well. <laughs> but um, the thing here is, is that, uh, you know, now it's getting a little bit oversold here on the RSI down here. So this is a neighborhood with along with the 1840 number, because on my work, 1840 area is real big. Uh, and your work, it looks like 1851 is kind of big. So if it, 1851 is, is very if, if it can hold this 1840 number, could it have a bounce back? And the answer would probably be yes. But if it breaks, I, I see you got a 1796 number. I've got a number in the 1500, 1600 area that if it really unwound, it could do that as well. Do you, on your longer term graphs, uh, do you have anything, you know, like a, there's your 16, there's your 1600. There you go. Uh, yeah. Let me go to a 20 year. Um, I, I do. Uh, I'd have, to, I'd have to really open this thing up and, and throw some different fibs on. Yeah. Um, but yes. Yeah. I mean, it, it it is not a decline that you don't you don't want to be messing with. No. So, I mean, that that is very, very clear. And I agree with you to be careful, because if this does not hold 
we might get a rally because that's what we're seeing in the RSI. Exactly. Well, it's and oversold we, under. Yeah. And we might get a little bit a rally back in gold as the RSI starts to perk its nose back up. But I think that even if I'm just taking it from here, one, two, three, large third, small four, still got a five. So your 1840 stays in place as a as a buffer. Right. But a strong break there then takes us down to 17 or 1800, basically. Now, like I say, they could run the stops under 1840 and take us down to 1796 and then have that, uh, what do they call it, counter trend rally that happens, right? Yeah, absolutely. Because then, then this pattern is going to be more complete. This, it'll be more complete here. And it'll and be screaming reversion all the way to the from mean. There. It'll be screaming reversion to the mean, not unlike Absolutely. NVIDIA. NVIDIA was I, screaming reversion to the mean at 500. I don't know why how, anybody who bought NVIDIA at 500 just didn't have a chart because, you know, <laughs> you know, and like I say, you don't really want to get involved in your initial sales uh, when no. it gets this far away from the moving averages. You want yeah. to possibly look around to see if it hits a low has a bounce, comes down and makes a new low or hangs around the low, RSI shows you a divergence, then you take your shot. But uh, it's, yeah, all, the, the, it's all good. What about silver? Let's look at silver because a lot of people think, uh, you know, that that is going to be the better one to be in when and if it turns. But this is does falling that, into the abyss a bit, isn't it? Very much so. Very, yeah. very much so. Um, I did. These are upside fibs. Let me uh, let me get rid of this one. But this is a classic example of why you don't want to uh, catch falling knives or hold on to things that are making lower lows or anything like that. Because, you know, the only reason you're in these metals is if there's going to be this big move up through 1975 into 2500 or whatever, and silver breaks above 26, and all of a sudden we're going to be at 30 or 40. That's when you want to be in those metals uh, if you're holding them. And uh, that's just not the uh, environment right now. Very quick fib, which just shows that connecting the high to the low to the next basic well actually no take that back let me i'm gonna do one that's going to be better uh i'm gonna go from here to come on thank you that one and then up to here so that's high to that low back up to the high to show me where can this thing bottom out and you see it's already slid right past the 100 that brings me here 1.618 20 2023 that's likely next and it's and it seems to be in a hurry to get there yeah right now silver silver is down over a buck today jim that's well i'll tell you something you know because again they're 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 basically saying that the fed will win and what does a win mean to the fed that means the unemployment rate goes back into the ford that means that the price of things go down that means consumer spending goes down that means uh, prices moderate Probably real estate has a correction of 10 or 15% because it went up 40% at least. So those are success stories for the Fed. And if that's the success story, then these metals are going to have a tough time. Now, here's when I would remember to buy these metals. When that Fed finds that the pain is, uh, and this might not be to 2024, but when the Fed sees the pain actually occur, you know, and I know the remedy is print the money again. When they do print the money again, and if you can pick up these metals at these discounted prices, they, in my view, will fly when that happens. Right. So I would not abandon the metals, but I don't need to be uh, you know, on something uh, that is decelerating and is um, contrary to the environment we're in. But I would not dismiss these things because I've been in long enough and you've been in long enough to know when they switch gears and they get off the hiking interest rates and 
and collapse the money supply and go back to their normal game, which is easier money and printing money. And with the deficits out there, that is coming, I'm sure. Uh, when it does come, these things at a discounted prices uh, could be one of the buys of a lifetime. It depends on, 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 as an investor, what type of investor you are. If you're, if you're an investor that you're, you're picking up instruments or product that is a, a storehouse of value, uh, or you're doing a longer term protection of wealth, uh, then your interest is going to be in gold and silver. Yeah. It's and hard so though, you know, when you're when your asset is dropping, you could do dollar cost averaging. But since we have no idea when the rain stops, you know, it, it's it, it's kind of hard to. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. hard to it's I mean, hard to dollar cost averaging. Uh, you know, uh, falling knives. But you know, if that's your right, game, and you've got to stay that's in your for game, a very you're getting discounted time. prices now, right? <laughs> Exactly. And yeah. but see, again, that's just if you're if you are really looking at a long term view and you're 35 or 40 or even 50 and you're like, OK, I'm now projecting out another 25 years. Well, yeah, you could dollar cost average, but do it correctly. So in other words, don't do and, it every and consistently and consistently. Right. Right. So, you you know, you're 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 putting X amount of dollars into that type of an investment. Let's hit the um, uh, U.S. dollar here, the Dixie, and uh, give people a little idea of what the dollar is doing. The, surprising me. That's what the dollar is doing, surprising me. Well, I mean, the listen, these interest rates are getting to be where there's a big yield advantage again. I mean, forget about the yield advantage with the Japanese yen, uh, but it's even way bigger than Europe. And Europe may not be able to hike rates that much more. I just came back from there. Everyone's complaining about inflation over there still. Uh, but right. uh, the economy is definitely slowing. Uh, you know, after summer, uh, all the tourist people are gone. That's a lot of revenue to them. And then these oil prices, because they're a net importer of oil, is a killer for them. So the bottom right. line is, is uh, there's a lot of great reasons why the uh, uh, the dollar has been rising. And of course, uh, reversion to the mean, if you can go back to when it was like 115, you see uh, there was a lot of moving averages way down at the lower area longer term. And you're like on a 20 year graph and uh, all it did was come down to the reversion. And now it's been going up since 99. And the, oh, how many people were bearish on the long term dollar. chart? OK, well, yeah, yeah, go, go to the to 20 that. year and you can see when it was way up. Um, There's 2008, 2008. I'm talking about like when it was way up at 115. Yeah. OK, so you're way that number that letter A. Yeah. When you're up at A, can you see how far away you were from the moving averages? Well, that, that's why it's like NVIDIA at 500. They're screaming reversion to the mean. And basically, you can see it held that 9,900 where the yellow dotted line is. And then you got a little penetration. But like we were saying about today's action on stocks, if you get a penetration, but the line's still rising, you don't have to respect it. And if it gets back above it, that's a tremendous buy. But here in the stock market, we weren't able so far to get back above what they dipped under. So that's why it's a little bit dodgy. But here you can see once it got above it there, it's been going. Now it's getting a little overbought again, huh? A little bit. But this is this is a weekly a weekly chart. Um, but I wanted this these fibs coming up inside here. I need to take, let me get rid of these because they're kind of in the way. These are the more important. This is covering the rally. And what we're looking at is I'm comparing this rise even though that did make a new low. So on an Elliott basis, it's an ABC, but it's an irregular B wave. So you, the normal stopping point 
is 1.618. And this and is just a running close. of the stop. This is a running of the stops that only lasted one day. That's why when the moving average is rising and the and the violation of it is uh, very brief, it's one of the better buy signals in my view or sell signals, no matter what direction it's going. We, we may just, you know, it's look, how, look how close we are. Yeah. The high is 106.936. Yeah. 107 is just a little heartbeat away. And, exactly. and yes, this is even further, yeah. but fact is, it's just like pop and we're there. So I, yeah, but I think what comes next and again, it is going to be a lot is dependent. You know, the Fed's going to, there's so many moving parts to get the dollar from where it is to where, where it should go. So, you know, well, to and, be honest, it looks like it has just resumed uh, the uptrend. And again, um, you know, Larry Summers put it best. And I was over there. I'll tell you my opinion, you know, uh, your choices are Europe with the Euro and he calls Euro, Europe a museum. And, you know, as I walked around to all these towns in the south of France, you know, if it wasn't built by Louis XIV, it didn't look very nice. And, uh, you know, they're heavily on to the and then they say Japan is a senior center and because their demographics are terrible. And then uh, China's a jail. So wh where are you going to go use as a as a currency, you know, that you can trust? You know, you're probably going to stick with the dollar. And that's why it keeps going back up, because your choices of those other ones um uh, you know, are not uh, are not uh, attractive, right? But in the meantime, the dollar up here is not doing any favors to the United States, to our markets, to to our bond market, to our all. Um, I just think there's just there's a heap of hurt. And you know, the other thing here's a question that I wanted to ask you. We have a, we have a few minutes. The the pressure that's being put on the economy by UAW strike. By now, we've got hospital workers going to be going out on strike. We have- Well, because there's a pilots. big revolt on, they want the wages. Yeah, go on. There's a very common sense revolt. If you're going to make the price of everything go way up, you're going to have to pay me some more money. You don't have to be from Harvard or MIT to figure that one out. So that's what they're doing. Now, those spreads are tightening a little bit because the UAW thing used to be 40 and they were offering 20. Now it's 30 and 20. So they're probably close to getting some kind of a deal done. But it's a deal where rate wages go up. And, you know, wages going up, you know, because people All inflation, right? Yeah, people spend whatever they make, apparently. I mean, I, I have a different philosophy, but, you know, people in this day and age, they spend whatever they make. And if they spend more than they make, just like the government, they put it on a credit card. Now, you know, that works up to a point. And that point, you know, seems to be a little bit uh, close here. So um, well, because interest rates on, on cars just went up over 30. But then the, uh, auto sales were up. So figure out, uh, go figure that out. Auto sales are up. I have noticed that the used car prices uh, seem to be being discounted a bit. So there, you know, like I say, there are some breaks in the action here. Uh, real estate sales are definitely drying up. So there's some auto breaks in the action. When, huh? Auto sales from which quarter? From well, when? no, just last month. Okay. Last All report. Right. Last yeah. report. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, but the used car prices definitely have come down, which uh, they should have done. Whoever heard of used car prices rising? I know, but one last chart. Just, just let's look at the thirty-year bond. Just, just because this is, I'm going to go to a, a little bit longer term. There's the all-time high. So basically, folks, all we've just really done is we're coming off of and putting, finishing up a five-wave decline, and we're getting close. We're getting very close. But here's here's the 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 zones. Here's the cluster of support. We're sitting at one twelve. Yeah. 
I'm really expecting this to drop to the 110, 109 area. And if that doesn't hold, it's going to sink like a stone to 106 to 102. This is the 30-year bond. The 30-year bond hasn't been down at these levels. Uh, let's see if I, how far back I can get this. This is this is 2000. This is 2008, right? 2008 is the last time that the bond was at 104. So again, we're getting into what most people would consider uncharted territory. I was trading here. I was trading here. So I remember bonds at those prices. I would say that the RSI is indicating that we are in a uh, possible last phase of the selling, though, because we're making new lows and the RSI is not. So I'm keeping it on that one. And I'll tell you what, I agree with your RSI analysis. Well, that doesn't on look the as basis good. that what I think we're finishing up is, again, an intermediate A wave. And what it's going to produce is an intermediate B wave counter trend rally. What I want people to keep in mind, counter trend rally, still going to be kick your butt, still going to be oh, yeah. tons and tons of trading yeah. to do as this thing rallies, as, as the bond prices rally and the yields or the rates come down. There'll be plenty of trading. But what will then follow that is an equivalent move, but even more severe than what we've just seen finish. Can you put up the one month graph uh, or the 20 day graph on the S&P? I just want to see if there's a divergence that might be a tradable here today, because we have made some new lows and I'm just trying to see if there's anything. Uh, how, that's pretty far back. Uh, 20 day, 20 day, 20 day, 20 day. Is that all you got for 20 day here? Well, here it is September, okay. September 1st. Okay. Yeah, there's not much there. There's not much there. So, you know, you're making lows and the RSI is not telling you anything. So there's no uh, there's no indication of a, of a pop uh, there at all. My, uh, my the, hourly, the my hourly I might, have is even my four hour might show you a little bit different. OK, eh, nah, yeah, let me see here. Yeah, you got a low down there and then uh, yeah. this is mid-September. So I got you more, you know, 20 days, 20 days. Yeah, no, yeah. nothing really. Yeah, that happened last week. Yeah. Well, last week, yeah, there's not much. A little bit Mine, uh, the, the one that I use of bar chart seems to be easier for me to read than others. That's why people say, what platform do you use, this and that? You know, I find some of these charts more difficult for me to read, just personal, than right. others. But right. uh, we are going to be hitting the top of the hour, so I want to have opportunity for you to tell people exactly how you can help them and what you can do for them, and then I'd like to explain what I do as well. So can you, uh, uh, you know, give a little uh, update on, on what you're trying to, uh, you know, offer? Right now, again, what I do each and every day is I provide uh, an update on the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ 100. That's an Elliott Wave update, and that's on YouTube. My channels are Traders Helping Traders on YouTube. And if you go there and you go Traders Helping Traders and my name, you'll find uh, I have two channels and both of them are have the same information on them. I also have a trade room that is... Um, I use it more for coaching. So if you had an interest in coaching and that's about trading and how I trade and how you want to trade and what your goals might be, et cetera, or working on different things like mindset and, and things, then I would offer coaching and, and you can always contact me or you can go to logicalsignals.com and then look up the coaching and you'll find some different information there. Always contact me at Michael at mjf the number one partners.com and i will respond and so that would be you know if you had an interest in my trade room if you had an interest in coaching or you just have a general question 
Perfect. Perfect. Uh, as far as option professors concerned, uh, you can contact me at optionprofessor at gmail.com. O-P-T-I-O-N professor at gmail.com. And here's what I'm doing. Rather than uh, discussing, you know, putting money up on this, that, or the other, I am at my discretion talking to everybody who I speak to, and I'm allowing them to receive my uh, information, six PDF reports, and have a one-hour meeting with me where I show you how I use RSI divergence, moving averages, and the reversion to the mean, plus short-term options to try to trade. And then after we have our session, if you're satisfied that you've had value, if you've satisfied that I've helped you become smarter, then obviously you can pay. If for whatever reason you don't find that you've had, you don't have to pay. So it's a very good opportunity to find my information out for me to show you what I do. Obviously, I believe I'm going to give you way more value than any cost. So I'm very confident that that'll happen. But for whatever reason, if it doesn't happen, you don't have to pay a dime. That's about as good an offer as you're going to find. And I've been doing this yeah. for decades. So the bottom line is uh, optionprofessor at gmail.com. You put your contact information. I call you back and then we go from there. We can also look at your markets to see where you've made your mistakes and see if my stuff would have corrected those mistakes. So right. a lot to learn, optionprofessor at gmail.com or there's the website as well if you want to put your information in that way as well hey michael this has been great we're going to do it again of course we've been doing it for so many years so we're going to get back yeah. at it uh so we thanks know. for being here as well thank and you you bet and uh, i'll send it back over to david all right thanks guys great discussion today so just a quick reminder for everyone be sure to subscribe to time and research on youtube um also you can uh, find these on your favorite podcast app or on Substack, or you can just go to timingresearch.com and uh, the archive for today will be posted soon. Also, all the past shows and events are archived there permanently as well. So I just want to thank my guests again for today, uh, Michael Filigera of logicalsignals.com and tradershelpingtraders.com and the option professor of optionprofessor.com. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, David.